and welcome back to the third episode of Talent Talks, a new podcast series brought to you through the cooperation of the Talent City Centre Government, the City Centre New Arrivals Council and the City of Talent as part of the Talent City Centre for New Arrivals Project. We're Cassandra and Chantal and we're both part of Talent's international community, helping you to connect to your new city and feel more like a local. In case you haven't caught our first episode, this project aims to connect with Talent City residents who may have moved here from abroad in the last few days, weeks, months, or years, and provide news, insights, and information about what's going on in the city in English every month. In this month's episode, we're going to focus on members of our international community who may not be here by choice, and we're talking about the refugee community. We'll speak to Anu Viltrop from the Estonian Refugee Council and Reit Parts, who is a manager of Sin and Sal, a social enterprise in Tallinn founded by the Estonian Refugee Council, jointly with members of the refugee or migrant uh, community living in Estonia. But first, let's start with some quick local news. Tallinn Old Town Days are taking place from August 12th to 15th this year. It will focus on the stories and legends of Tallinn. In 2020, Tallinn Old Town Days uh, were canceled due to COVID-19. And this year, they are taking place in August instead of July. And with processes in place to check that attendees either with that are vaccinated with a negative COVID test or have recovered from COVID in the last six months. As in previous years, Talon Old Town will be filled with music, street theater, museum tours, and many more exciting activities across four days, and the vast majority of events will be free. Old Town Days will kick off in Talon Town Hall Square on August 12th at 7 p.m. with a Trad Attack concert. This world-famous Estonian band narrates stories while mixing old traditions and cultural heritage with modern rock music. The Old Town Museums are open until 11pm on Saturday the 14th of August with a special program of excursions, concerts, uh, open houses taking place throughout the Old Town. Foodies and bookworms alike should visit the Jan Crossy Literature Cafes on the 14th of August. You can walk through the places related to the famous Estonian writer throughout the Old Town and listen to excerpts from his mem memoir performed by well-known actors by stopping in at the four cafes. And of, and of course, there's the Knights Tournament. So the Old Talon Cup will take place on the 14th of August at 12 o'clock in the area next to Nigalista Church. This medieval full contact competition is a new and extreme sport whereby participants fight one another in real knights equipment. All young people and families are welcome at the youth and children's area near Schnelli Pond, where you can participate in several workshops, enjoy the stage program and support young entrepreneurs throughout the festival. To learn more about the program of the festival, visit vanalinapeavad.ee. Now, fun facts. Although Estonia has thousands of islands, Aigna Island is the only one belonging to Tallinn, located 14 kilometers off the coast. It's three square kilometers of protected natural reserves with beaches, forests, former military infrastructure, and the largest collection of boulders in Estonia, and even a stone labyrinth, which dates back as far as the 12th century. To get there, it only takes about an hour, and you can take the small ship Vesta, which leaves from the Linnehal Quay at Patarai Harbor. The ship sails to Aigna, and back on all days except for Tuesdays. And this will continue until August 31st, so book your trip soon before the season ends. 
The line has already served more than 3,600 passengers in the last two months. Thanks to the exceptionally warm weather this summer and an increased desire among Estonian residents to discover local attractions. Tickets can be purchased in advance up to two hours before departure and boarding and on-site ticket sales start 30 minutes before the start of the voyage. As Chantal mentioned, the line will only run until August 31st, so get in quick and visit this great jewel of Tallinn. Quick transportation update. The route of bus number 66 is going to change from the 19th of July to the 12th of September due to the construction works on Kolde Boulevard and certain stops will be omitted. So be sure to recheck your route and schedule during this time. And as always, a COVID vaccination update. West Tallinn Central Hospital and Mustamai District Government started a pilot project of mobile vaccination points this week. Every day until the end of the summer, mobile vaccination points operate in various Mustamai settlements where people are welcome to come for their Pfizer vaccination as they go about their day without prior registration. If you want to make sure that there will be enough vaccines on your chosen day, you can register by calling 1247. And lastly, according to the European Environmental Agency, Tallinn ranks fourth in Europe in terms of quality of urban air, behind cities in Sweden, Finland and Portugal. Narva and Tartu also listed in the top 10 cities, with nearby capitals of Stockholm ranking ninth and Helsinki ranking 11th. Almer Michal Kolvart commented that although the air quality in Tallinn is some of the cleanest in the European cities, the improvement of the condition of our air must be constantly addressed, supporting ambitious targets to be set to reduce emissions further on top of the already stringent EU requirements. In addition to improving the air quality, quality, the Tallinn Development Strategy 2035 and the Climate Plan also set the goal of reducing the impact of overall urban life and economy on the climate. And with that, over to our first interview. So, many of us moved to Tallinn for our jobs, studies, remote work even, um, enjoying the amazing quality of life, snowy winters, islands in the summer, but not everybody in the international community of Tallinn is here by choice. In 1997, the Refugee Act was adopted in Estonia, and Estonia signed up to the 1951 UN Convention on the Status of Refugees. Since then, over 1,100 asylum applications have been submitted to Estonia, predominantly from citizens of the Ukraine, Syria, Russia, Georgia, and Afghanistan. So we are very excited to welcome Anu Viltrup from the Estonian Refugee Council to the show to chat with us about the experience of members of our international community who may not be here by choice. So thank you and welcome. Hi. Hi. And it's very nice to be here. <laughs> so firstly, um, why don't we talk through a little bit about uh, what the Estonian uh, Refugee Council does and how you support the community here? I would at first uh, start uh, with one comment um, that uh, it's very good that you explain the wider, um, <laughs> uh, wider context uh, of, of the story. But actually, uh, submitting an application um, uh, doesn't mean that you will be granted international protection that uh, since 1997, um, um, something like 350 people have, have been granted international protection. So you can uh, uh, yourself calculate the ratio that how many people will be uh, staying in Estonia. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, that uh, one thing is when you come to voluntarily, uh, then you can uh, face uh, also uh, some difficulties. But what we've experienced in the Future Council is that when you are not able to go back, mm -hmm. uh, then sometimes um, um, people are so homesick. 
that uh, that's uh, very hard for for them uh, to cope. So they need, uh, I think, lots of support, lots of uh, uh, friendly faces. Um, but when we come, uh, talk about the Student Refugee Council, then it's already 20 years old. Uh, we've been um, <coughs> growing fast uh, du during the during the years, and now we can say that we um, uh, have four uh, pillars, four different areas we are working with. So at first, uh, we do work with uh, refugees who have been cr uh, granted international uh, protection in Estonia. We provide them uh, uh, different support services. Uh, I could talk about this a little bit later. Uh, secondly, we also do work abroad. So we are. Uh, definitely a humanitarian aid organization. Uh, we um, um, have chosen to choose uh, maybe a few fewer amount of countries, but we rather work in the longer term. So now we are working in Jordan, in Lebanon, um, in Ukraine also, and uh, now we're thinking um, also spreading uh, our branches and our activities also to, to Africa. Uh, the third uh, pillar, let's say, is um, uh, a different different kind of activities uh, that uh, comes uh, from the fact that we may and we can consider our, ourselves as experts of forced migration. We do advocacy work, uh, we uh, stand for the rights of the refugees, uh, we try to address different issues uh, that would help uh, them uh, to get adjusted to Estonian life better. Uh, we uh, do train uh, different specialists. For example, we've been working many years now with uh, uh, kindergartens uh, where we uh, provide uh, different trainings but also counseling to the kindergarten teachers that how to work uh, better with, uh, with uh, children with migrant background, how to use or see or um, yeah, how to use or see this um, multicultural or, or the, the, the children with different uh, cultural background, how, how to see this as an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is one interesting, interesting journey we are having. Uh, we also do make lots of uh, public events um, to across Estonia, not only in Tallinn, but across Estonia, um, to show uh, Estonian people, um, different uh, people, uh, different foreigners uh, living in Estonia, uh, refugees, but also other people with, uh, with a migrant background, uh, and also to show those foreigners uh, uh, what kind of beautiful places we have in Estonia, what, a, what kind of nice people we have in Estonia. Uh, it's... Uh, um, important uh, you know, to build contacts, uh, to 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 build uh, strong connections between uh, the different communities. Uh, so that this is uh, something we are trying uh, trying to do. And the fourth pillar uh, is um, a social enterprise, which we established uh, 2019, and um, aim uh, is actually twofold. Uh, at first, we've uh, seen that getting the first job in Estonia is uh, rather difficult um, for many uh, people with migrant uh, with migrant background but for refugees if you are not speaking Estonian yet you are not good in English or you don't know English at all or you don't know Russian then it's very hard to 
um, step in, let's right. say. Uh, uh, so we wanted to provide them a uh, possibility to have work experience, uh, to learn how it is to work in Estonian working environment, working culture and so on. But the second aim is to introduce uh, wider audience people living especially in Tallinn, uh, what kind of uh, cool people we have <laughs> here uh, who have um, uh, bring with them different um, kind of food, different tastes, different handicraft, different culture uh, and what kind of uh, blessing it could be uh, to know about them, to know the people who have uh, carried them, uh, carried it with them uh, to Estonia. Amazing. And what are some of the initial impression? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the initial impressions or thoughts or even challenges of, of refugees who come to Estonia? What do, for both kind of good and, and, and challenging, but what are some of the initial thoughts? Um, it, uh, yeah. Um, as I said, that when you're forced to stay here, uh, then lots of things may be a little bit different because you know, uh, you know that whatever happens, uh, you will have to stay here. Uh, what usually is that the first, uh, when the um, uh, international pro- protection has been granted, then it's like a little bit like a honey- honeymoon because now I know that I'm safe. I can stay here in Estonia. I can live here. I can start my new life, Uh, I can get my children to school, to kindergarten and so on. Uh, Usually we see that uh, this uh, honeymoon doesn't (laughs) uh, last forever and there are always uh, some um, um, not so good events happening or maybe someone uh, uh, talks badly about you or you don't find a job as quickly as you dreamed or learning Estonian is harder than you predicted. Uh, so, um, and then it's up to the person how flexible he or she is. Um, is she willing or is he willing to make adjustments, uh, adjustments the way uh, uh, they have been living so far? Uh, for example, when you come uh, from... Um, uh, Syria, then, uh, and you have been uh, uh, housewife there, then it's not usually so convenient in Estonia. So you should think that maybe I should go to work, and and it means you have to um, have a, maybe a little, little bit different mindset than you used to have, or when you are the head of the family, <laughs> that you have been the head of the family uh, back at your home country. Here you see that you need a full support of your whole family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, sometimes um, uh, hard uh, for 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 the people. Um, uh, to survive, let's say this way. Uh, but of course, we've seen uh, different stories. There are people uh, who are now uh, living a very decent life. They are more or less happy. Uh, they are, have work. They have some friends in the community, but also some Estonians. <laughs> uh, they they know Estonian in a level that they get by. The children have good ed- education. And also what they now want to is live... Uh, uh, quietly, and they don't want to carry this label refugee uh, mm. among them anymore. 
I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you see that experience differing between maybe adults that come here and children? So what a, you know, a child comes to Estonia and they're, it's, you know, they're in a new school with, with, ch- with children who potentially don't speak their language or, or look like them or, or come from their background, but they're suddenly making snowmen and, and you know, this, this life. How does that change for them? I would say that actually service-wise, it doesn't really matter whether you're a, a refugee or you are just some other migrant background, that the possibilities for you are basically the same. Okay. Uh, so when you are the child and you go to school, then uh, um, are you a refugee or you just come here for a while, um, you will have this uh, individual uh, learning program. Uh, that uh, focus on Estonian language learning at first. So usually kids are rather quick learning Estonian. Um, in our experience, uh, sometimes happens that uh, uh, children will be become the translators for the parents, <laughs> which is not actually a very good thing because it's okay maybe to translate in the shop or, or on the street or, or, or some kind of party. But when you have to go to the doctor with the mom and talk about, I don't know, Right. depression or, or some other health problem, it's too much for the kids. Right. Uh, uh, the refugee kids have said that it's uh, rather hard to find friends. It takes lots of time. Yeah, But for the grown-ups, um, I think that sometimes we uh, expect them to uh, learn the language and find a job and uh, then, then we are uh, happy as a, as a community. But also I think that adults also need support, they need help. Um, Even if we have lots of uh, support services in place, um, uh, then it's in 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 practicality, it's uh, hard for for them uh, sometimes to combine going to work and learning languages. Mm -hmm. Learning a language is very flexible flexible for refugees, but uh, uh, when you're working by schedules and you never know when you will be working and when you have day off, Mm -hmm. it's still uh, uh, rather complicated. And they are both very important. How to choose? Yes. Yeah. And typically, do refugees or or um, forced migration... um, tend to find themselves in Estonia because they've elected to claim asylum in Estonia or through, for example, relocation and resettlement programs more more widely? Estonia took part of a resettlement program for a couple of years, but last refugees who arrived to Estonia um, arrived 2018, and after that, Estonia hasn't been part of, of such programs. Um, uh, and uh, in the frames of this program, uh, if I'm re- remembering correctly, uh, a little bit more than 200 people came to Estonia. Uh, rest of uh, uh, of the refugees living in Estonia have uh, come uh, come come came in Estonia themselves. Okay. Uh, not always out of free will. They sometimes have happened to uh, access uh, Estonian uh, border. Um, um, but um, I, I would say that the numbers uh, of, of refugees in Estonia is uh, um, rather small, uh, small, especially during now the COVID times. 
And maybe one thing that uh, um, when we talk about refugees, then people tend to think someone who's uh, fled from the war, maybe from Syria or, or something like that. But for example, last year, the majority of uh, people who have who were granted uh, international protection uh, were from uh, Russia. Yeah, and I think I think that's really interesting about. Um, the the different reasons that people may come to Estonia to claim asylum and, and status compared to, you know, when we potentially think about the refugee community globally, we think people escaping Syria, the, the war in Syria, people um, in the jungle in Calais and camps in Greece, etc. But there are a lot of our neighboring countries, if we widen that or, or think about the wider definition of, of, a, of a refugee or an asylum seeker, it's someone that's fundamentally unsafe in their current location, which can be for, for a number of different reasons. And when we look around our neighboring countries here, there are a lot of reasons why someone could be unsafe in those locations and need and need asylum and protection. So potentially the I think one of the things I've learned through being here is that what uh, what Estonia gives to that community or what they are to that community is a little different than potentially what you jump to when you think of the the refugee community on the news or, or what you read and, and things. And, and Estonia is a safe place for for people for many different reasons, actually. Yeah, well, um, Estonia grants protection. Uh, yeah, when it's um, really uh, the countries what are in in the war, or but also um, there are people who uh, ask for the protection because of political reasons mm -hmm. or uh, um, uh, sexual orientation um, or. Um, Let's say they believed God, uh, believed in God in a wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so that's there are really many many different uh, reason, reasons why people are now in in the situation. But I definitely feel for them because it's yeah, not a picnic in the park to leave to leave all your life uh, behind and uh, come to a totally new country and start all over again. It's not 100%. easy. 100%. And you mentioned, um, so there's two, two kind of, I guess, statistics I want to touch on. Um, the first is one you mentioned before. So uh, although there have been 1,100 applications for asylum, um, the number of those that are approved are, I think I read somewhere around 500, you mentioned around 300. Um, where do you think that gap lies as to those ones that are not approved? What do you typically see as the reasons for those not being approved? Estonian uh, Police and Border Guard is the organization who uh, um, you have to submit uh, your application to and who uh, looks them through and they make the decisions. Uh, so Estonian Refugee Council is not part of uh, making the decisions, so I'm not able to comment it in, in, yeah. in, in any way. Gotcha. And the second um, statistic I wanted to touch on was uh, basically what happens after that initial um, residency period is granted, which is normally somewhere between one and three years. So do you typically see um, the refugees remaining in Estonia or is there the opportunity for them to typically go back to their country once, a, once it's safe to do so? Or what do you see as the outcome normally of that, that period? Um. Some people have left, uh, of course, to Germany, to Belgium and so on, uh, especially those people who got here through their settlement and relocation programs. Um, now it's the tendency that they are 
um, moved back um, here because uh, because of the Dublin Convention that says that if you have been granted uh, protection in some specific country, then this is a country who have to stay. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, um, I, I think that maybe one tendency what I would like to uh, draw your attention to is that people who left usually left after one month or uh, two months uh, they arrived here. So I would say that they really didn't uh, give Estonia a chance maybe. Gotcha. Uh, but of course, if you are fled from home and you are feeling yourself like without the roots, uh, mm. I understand that they are looking for the for the place to be so yeah and if you <laughs> have family somewhere else yeah. or something of course uh, but uh, it's also um, uh, the tendency that uh, lots of uh, people are now moving um, mm, uh, moving for the possibilities living in Estonia under other um, uh, conditions for example they are aiming for long-term residency if it's possible already when you have been living in Estonia already for five years and if you know Estonian very well uh, we already know uh, some examples where uh, refugees have uh, uh, succeeded with uh, Estonian citizenship exams so they, wow. they are now <laughs> Estonians wow. uh, so it's not um, uh, the way that you are a refugee and then you will stay like this forever you you can also choose uh, living here in Estonia what what you want to be uh, let's say uh, but if you let's say don't do nothing as as a refugee and and your living um, premises is going to be uh, uh, ended then of course uh, police and border guard uh, has to make uh, a new decision gotcha. whether it's uh, needed to prolong or if uh, they they decide that uh, the the country they is safe uh, to go back to then of course <laughs> then that's the way it is yeah gotcha um and many Estonians probably also remember a time where either their parents or grandparents may have actually been the refugees and had to go to other countries to to escape um, situations themselves in Estonia. So how do you think that impacts or, or actually having gone through that yourself um, has impacted how open Estonia is to supporting people who now find themselves in that situation? Yeah, that's a very philosophical question. <laughs> Uh, I, I would say that uh, the uh, world back then was most probably totally different than it's now. Uh, I remember the words uh, of one um, uh, Estonian woman, Elina Tona, who has write a magnificent book about her experience uh, living uh, in exile. Uh, she was uh, a small uh, girl when uh, they fled from Estonia, mm -hmm. from the war. Uh, and uh, nobody told her that Estonian Republic doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and it was a few years <laughs> after the war uh, when she saw one map and she didn't saw Estonia there anymore. Um, uh, but um, um, uh, I'm not maybe a good person to, under, uh, to answer this question because uh, I can just answer what I feel or sure. what I think. Um, it, it, I, I feel that maybe Estonians are a little bit how to say, um, uh, the independence seems to them very tender, very new, uh, maybe not so strong, not so solid. Okay. Uh, um, and um, when, uh, as Estonia is rather a small country, uh, uh, quite 
small number of people, small number of Estonians, um, they and I understand that they are afraid of losing their identity, losing sure. the culture, lo losing the language. Um, so I understand the, the fear and, and I understand the, the, the uneasiness uh, when it comes to the question of, of migration and refugees. I personally uh, see it a little bit different way uh, that every person who comes to Estonia enjoys living here and even if they go back they took part of it uh, with them hopefully uh, they <laughs> carried that uh, in in their hearts uh, if they learn a little bit about Estonian language about Estonian culture then uh, of, uh, again <laughs> we can uh, spread uh, <laughs> those uh, uh, those uh, things further on so I would I would yeah rather see it as as positive positive thing great and maybe one last question, which will lead in nicely to our next interview. Um, but for those of us, obviously, based in Tallinn um, and in the international community, how can we, I guess, reach out, support, um, you know, interact within uh, the the migrant and refugee community in Tallinn? Uh, there are lots of possibilities, uh, right? We'll talk about uh, our social enterprise uh, activities very soon. So um, it's always uh, uh, very uh, good if you would uh, buy lunch from us or uh, attend uh, some of our activities. Uh, just to look at the, our webpage, seniorsal.de. Uh, but also it's possible to come and volunteer. Pakulasabi.ee and there are um, lots of, uh, or not lots of, but some possibilities what you could do in our organization. Uh, just um, have a look um, and uh, write and call to us. Let's uh, let's see if, if we can find a way for, for a joint uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I would love to volunteer. There are certain requirements, things like, do I have to speak Estonian? Unfortunately, I do not yet. Um, but is, you know, I can offer, I speak French and English, can I help? Can I contribute in a way? Um, or are there certain kind of needs that you, you guys have? Uh, for of that course, uh, there are many roles uh, when we do need Estonian and good Estonian uh, language skills and uh, where we need <laughs> some um, a strong uh, context. Uh, what is What does it mean living in Estonia? But there are also plenty of roles uh, when it really doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, language isn't so big issue. So you can still uh, Great. write to us and then let's see. Great. Um, and we will put the link to that website in uh, our podcast information as always so that you, uh, you can visit that. Well, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us. This is very, uh, very interesting and informative as always. So um, thank you very much and we'll be in touch. Thank you for listening. So thank you for that. And it is a perfect segue into our next interview. So um, as was previously mentioned, uh, the social enterprise Sinyasal was founded by the Estonian Refugee Council jointly with the people with refugee or migrant backgrounds living in Estonia. And the cafe provides catering, holds workshops from African dance to Syrian food. And with us today, we have the head of the kitchen, Reit Pat. Um, so, could you please tell us a little bit more about uh, Sinyasal, how it got started? Because um, from what I understand, it's very new. So, tell us a little bit more about that and the uh, and how you guys came about f establishing this cafe. 
Well, firstly, thank you for asking us uh, to come here. And, uh, and sure, um, uh, as when it comes to generally the enterprise as such, then, uh, then the, the, the aim of the, of, the, of the thing is just to embrace and empower the people with uh, refugee uh, uh, backgrounds uh, coming to Estonia or uh, being here. And uh, as I'm sort of uh, responsible more of the of the catering and food uh, part, then I hope that Anu will uh, will help me here on the on the right side to 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 give maybe uh, a wider uh, wider perspective on the on the other other services. But uh, but yeah, like this is the aim to to give the possibility for people who come to Estonia, like use their. Uh, use their uh, professional skills or also maybe to give uh, the possibility of uh, of uh, starting off with uh, with uh, something that they have uh, aiming to do uh, earlier for instance uh, like uh, they have been really good home chefs for instance back in their home right. it wasn't a possibility to to play it out on a on a wider uh, uh, wider screen then and then this is why we're here and that's what we're doing Oh, no. Maybe I just add that uh, usually our cooks are not professionals, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I even if they are have been good uh, uh, making uh, food, uh, making uh, and and uh, feasting their families uh, back at the, at the home country, uh, they never dreamed about this kind of career. But uh, they are. They have been flexible uh, to change uh, their career. Uh, they are flexible um, to try uh, new things uh, and uh, let life uh, surprise them. So it's uh, usually not the dream for the people to, to cook. I haven't been, yeah, but, but uh, it's a possibility and uh, we're giving the possibility. Yeah, for and them. it's also the one thing that it's, you're not forced to work with us. You can do that if you, if you want to. Mm, true, and as uh, as uh, like earlier as well, we were talking about you. Uh, you were talking about uh, like embracing and uh, people into the society. Then, then what could be the best uh, or better way on on getting um, uh, yourself uh, like introducing yourself and and getting in, in uh, like within. Uh, uh, within people is uh, than than what food uh, and and gastronomy is because this is uh, uh, so much of a let's say like an open book uh, with food you can't really lie you either you either love it or you don't love it and and the love within food is always uh, always there uh, this is uh, sort of a, a possibility for us as a, as a community uh, to um, embrace people who are coming here and and vice versa. And food is definitely one of those communal events. Absolutely, as well. yeah, yeah. How do um, how do refugees or persons with migrant backgrounds come about Sinyasal or getting involved with Sinyasal? I think this is something like a, of a of a information which is spreading uh, within the community, and uh, and uh, to be honest, we are also uh, taking people from the street. So, for instance, mm. if there have been uh, events where where we see people like offering maybe their services, uh, like working with someone, then then uh, like our kitchen could be like a start off platform for them to to carry on to get a wider audience to that, and uh, and as a relatively new uh, business. Uh, uh, for a year now, we have uh, given this uh, this wonderful opportunity to uh, to Syria and Venezuela and uh, also Southern African uh, African people to uh, to um, 
share their uh, wonderful tastes uh, with uh, with uh, with the people in Tallinn. Very eclectic, mm, indeed. <laughs> um, and so, where do you see the this uh, the cafe? How, how do you see Sinyasal developing or evolving over the next coming years? Mm. Uh, well, as everybody, we have gone through COVID, and and as uh, when we opened the place uh, one and a half years ago, uh, we sort of hoped to be there also as an open space. Sadly, we have been uh, managing the whole thing through internet and, and uh, it has been lunch offers now for a year. Uh, the future, um, as a matter of fact, I came uh, just uh, before um, coming uh, coming here to the studio, I came from a, from a quick meeting with a, with a cafe or a restaurant owner who is uh, looking for a possibility to get like a new life for their kitchen okay. uh, so we are uh, looking for a possibility to grow uh, into an actual restaurant into an actual Wonderful. cafe uh, not only offering lunch offers uh, and catering as what we're doing from our community kitchen today but uh, to become more of a of a place where you uh, where you can actually come and meet and uh, and have the possibility of, uh, of uh, embracing the cultures well, then let me be the first to say I wish you much success <laughs> with Thank that. You. Can you. you tell us a little bit more about the e-shop? Oh, yeah. Okay. This was also uh, one of the ways on on, uh, on uh, reaching people uh, during the COVID. Um, we are offering today our uh, goods that we're uh, making uh, there on the spot ourselves, for instance, uh, biscuits, uh, different uh, coffee, uh, drinks, as well as hand handicrafts uh, uh, that uh, that uh, that people are, are are making at home. And our e-shop is also um, getting bigger through the time. Um, soon uh, there will be available uh, some of the fashion products uh, uh, that come from uh, Lebanon, from our, our partners uh, there. Uh, it's a brand called Masterpiece and they are really, I think, very nice clothes. Uh, so keep an eye, eye, eye on. Uh, and we also now... Uh, looking for the for different possibility yes uh, it looks eclectic but as uh, also the, the statistics shows uh, uh, there are deep, uh, living in Estonian people with very different background and that is something that we want to show so mm -hmm. we are we are now looking for for the people who do some kind of handicraft uh, to also that they could also use this e-shop as their platform so also it's part of this empowering that they could find the ways uh, uh, they can show themselves as experts, they can sell the things, they can make the food, um, they can organize uh, some cultural events in our premises and something like that. So, yeah. Are there any, well, this is a bit of a... I don't even know how appropriate this question is in terms because you mentioned events, but now with the new restrictions that we've already mentioned, are there any that are perhaps anticipated for the coming autumn season? Um, we actually planned uh, a very big event on uh, August 20th, uh, which is actually one event, uh, what, what we tried to do already the second time. Uh, our Turkish community in Estonia is uh, rather active and they wanted to provide uh, lunch on Reap and stay to all uh, people living in Tallinn and last year it was huge uh, success. Uh, now as the government has um, uh, informed uh, about the new restrictions we, we are now 
trying to figure out the way how to do it. So right. I would uh, advise to keep an eye on our website, cinesalb.ee, uh, that what will happen or how we will provide the event. Something will come, definitely. Uh, but in the autumn period, there will be uh, language courses, most probably Turkish, maybe even uh, Arabic, uh, maybe okay. Spanish. It all depends from the people who are currently active in our enterprise. And uh, if uh, COVID allows us, uh, then um, uh, most probably we will uh, um, start uh, the series of cultural events uh, where people from different background um, serve the table, um, talk about their traditions, their culture, they, they, them, about themselves and the st uh, stories why they are in Estonia. Uh, and you as a... Um, just a citizen you can just stop by um, and uh, listen to the stories and uh, um, just taste how this different culture um, feels like. Speaking of stories, um, I, do you have any anecdotes for us in terms of uh, uh, impact that Sinyasal, for instance, has, has on uh, some of perhaps the persons that have been working or volunteering or at the cafe? Right, do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> Give us two or three. It's just, to, just to shoot like this and like... As always, like I end up with a, with an empty head. So I, like, do, do you have? I you just, also have like a longer background yeah, I, on that uh, part. Uh, just can uh, remember one story. Uh, one Turkish guy who is also working in our enterprise. Uh, one day um, sits next to me and says that yeah, I oh know. Um, I've been wondering the Estonian working culture that um, we in Turkey we. Um, do we organize and uh, maybe in the later stadium we will think that what we will do and how we will do and with you i at first i was really confused because you started planning you said that it's uh, the the event will be uh, in one month time and we have very few time and we need to plan and then we have meetings and then we uh, divide the task and then we plan and then we will have the meeting so it was very uh, hard for him uh, at first uh, um, maybe to understand the, uh, this kind of planning, that what kind of blessing it could be. <laughs> but he had to admit that if he has gone through this uh, several times, he had understood that we also uh, usually consider the risks. Uh, uh, that, that means that when the event uh, arrives, then we usually know what to do and we are not, um, uh, you know, running out of ideas how to solve different problems uh, uh, on that day. There is one thing which sort of comes to mind. Uh, I'm not, it's, it's not necessarily a, like a fun thing as such, but, uh, but we as donors, we tend to be extremely pragmatic sometimes, like too <laughs> yeah. pragmatic on, on things. <laughs> and, uh, and within also, we, uh, we sometimes, I have the feeling, lose this... Um, like uh, daily politeness mm. and uh, what what this work now for for a year has taught me is is that uh, when calling to someone or meeting up with someone you you actually take the moment to ask like look them into the eye to say them hello and to ask like hello how are you doing <laughs> and it's and it's not just just a politeness but it, it is actually that you take the time to sort of uh, 
get a quick brief on what has been happening in between. And uh, and this sometimes like um, uh, it slows things down. Right. But then on the other side, uh, of course, if you're not boiling milk at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, it also gives you gives you this kind of a nice humane atmosphere for right. for for a daily job. So so this is something which I have like really enjoyed. And uh, and in a way, I hope that we can also deliver that uh, understanding, uh, especially through our Arabic. Uh, part of the kitchen uh, to to people who are uh, offering or taking taking food for us, just like a nice uh, l- nice humane moment to their daily doings. Um, it's so interesting you say that. I remember uh, going back to I've been in Estonia two years now, working uh, majority with Estonians, and my my colleague, who's a good friend of mine, took me aside um, in the first couple of months in Estonia, and he said. You have to stop asking people how they are. Estonians find this very weird. Like they, why is she prime? Because I would just say, hi, how are you? How are you doing? Like Mm. I would be on a hike and someone would look past me. I'd say, hi, how are you? And they look at me very strangely. And Mm. my my colleague said, you have to stop doing this. Mm. They think it's very weird. You're prying into their personal Mm. lives and asking about their day. So it's actually, it's funny that, that it's actually the reverse where you found that actually that's a really that's a way to further engage with people in a definitely in the international community definitely and this, <laughs> I think it's also like in a, in a way like possibility for us to to look in, uh, into ourselves and also to mm. to our tradition maybe in longer run because mm. like for instance if you go to southern parts of the country like outside of urban areas outside of Tallinn then for instance on the on the roads of Viru or streets of Viru if you uh, if you come across uh, like with a new face you end up being said said hello and like if you go to a small store then people actually do ask you like like uh, <laughs> hello how 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 are you or like where are you coming so so there is something maybe uh, that uh, from the newcomers we can we can also uh, like remind to be reminded of ourselves in a way. Well, uh, and when point. you actually walk uh, in the forest and you meet a person, then uh, yeah, normal people say hi, hi to each other. They ask that did you collect berries or, or mushrooms? Um, did you find something? That's a of very course, normal. you never never tell like where from. Secret. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets. No, but it sounds like uh, this social enterprise um, provides value in both directions. Absolutely. Um, And this is something that we're looking for. Do you you guys have any um, plans for any other social enterprises? At the moment, uh, no. We are rather trying to sort of get going with what we have on the table already and and to to give a bit of a, like a quality boost uh, to to what we're doing yeah but on the other hand when mm-hmm. we talk about our humanitarian aid side then uh, lots of our projects are somehow focused uh, on enterprise entrepreneurship or social enterprise because we see it uh, rather um, in long term, it's rather, rather more effective if uh, people are able to earn some income. Um, so the answer is yeah, yes and no. Uh, most probably we will not establish a new social enterprise in Estonia anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Outside of the borders, it might be possible. But this is also maybe a good point uh, uh, where I would uh, uh, urge people to uh, 
turn their heads towards us and and if there are any good chefs uh, who find themselves uh, without a job or just want to do something then we are also currently looking for for new people new uh, new uh, kitchens uh, uh, to the road that uh, we're offering today so so dear listeners if any of you <laughs> if any of you is, is is a good chef then do um, to send us an email or call maybe we can find uh, find a way to cooperate yeah. and the Estonian language skill is not necessary no in this no context. no but it's a good possibility also to learn uh, yeah. with us yeah. Yeah. because uh, strangely uh, when we talk about uh, how we work in uh, our enterprise then usually it's uh, predicted that we do speak in uh, English but it's not the case uh, Estonian is uh, the one and only joint language we have yeah. For some, yeah, for some people, it's uh, it is uh, that uh, that you end up uh, having have, having Venezuelan and Turkish uh, person talking uh, in Estonian to each other because uh, this is this is the common. Common. Yeah, would you have ever imagined Estonia would be exactly. a lingua franca between exactly. international exactly. communities? Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the language. Um, I think probably the fastest developing part of my Estonian is food mm. because I actually cook in Estonian. So I'll read a recipe in Estonian because mm. it's like it's repetition. It's things that you're working through every day and you see the same things come over and over again. So I'd say actually my strong, the strongest part of my Estonian language skills is things like boil water and chop onions and, and things like that. So I could 100% see how this would be a great opportunity to join the team. Yeah, I could come in, I can I can boil water and, and slice garlic and, and all that kind of stuff in Estonia. That's wonderful. Let's continue to co-create uh, opportunities. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you both for being here with us. Um, really, I learned a lot. Me too. <laughs> and to visit you guys, where do we yes. where do we find you? Obviously the website, but where can we find you in the city? At the moment, uh, we are located in uh, and will be located on uh, on Livale Street uh, with a, with a, um, a Livale at twenty eight twenty eight. <laughs> I'm really bad with numbers. <laughs> Um, Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and starting from uh, from second part of part of August, uh, we are again opening our uh, uh, lunch offers. So Great. you can, if the if the COVID allows, then you're welcome to come and dine with us uh, in our community uh, center, or then uh, take the lunchbox. Uh, to be delivered uh, to your doorsteps. Or participate uh, in uh, some cultural or cooking events. We are also yes, planning well. if COVID allows. If COVID allows. Yeah, this Turkish lunch. I'll keep my eye on, on that for sure. The I've heard that. Nice that's quite an event, a Turkish lunch. Great. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on episode three. If you want to learn more about local news, subscribe to the Talent in Brief English newsletter, which comes out once a month and provides a great overview of what, hap what is happening in the capital. You can find a subscription link in the podcast description. And also, if you live in the city center and you're just interested in the day's updates from Keskelin, have questions for the local authorities, are willing to share your thoughts and ideas on urban space organization, um, or any other concerns about the Tallinn Central District, you can join the Tallinn City Center for Expats official Facebook community administered by the Tallinn City Center government. With that, happy August, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll see you next month. Yadaiga! Yeah,